going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So today, I welcome back Remy, but this time, he's representing Reef Builders. What's going on there, Remy? Uh, uh, not too much. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pretty good, man. I think the last time I had you on, with the, you were, you were uh, you know, rocking the uh, Bahama Llama Coral uh thing you know you got it you got yeah, it <laughs> yeah we can talk a little bit about all that stuff for sure yeah 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 thanks everybody for uh for tuning in to the stream here before we start chatting here with remy i want to thank both bulk resupply and ecotech marine for sponsoring the live stream I appreciate them supporting the show and all you folks out there that are tuning in as always please hit that like button so more people can find the stream while you're at it if you haven't done so already, it would be awesome if you subscribe to the channel. So, all right, Remy, man, I, I mentioned Bahama Llama Coral, your, uh, which is your YouTube channel and Instagram feed. So the last time I had you on was back in March of 2021. That was two and a half years ago. There's Wow. A lot has uh, <laughs> changed. A lot has changed, man, since... Uh, yeah. The last time I had you on, is is that uh, channel still uh, active? That Instagram feed still active? Or are you just putting all your efforts at this point into reef builders? All my efforts are going into reef builders at this point. But uh, I've ha I've had a couple people reach out and they've been like, "Hey, are you ever gonna do another llama video? Or are you gonna ever you know post on Instagram?" And it's like I would I would love to if I had the time. But uh, even even today, even an hour before this, I'm working on you know the video that's going to be released on the reef builders channel tomorrow. So it's just there's just a lot going on all the time that plus reef therapy. It's just, there's, there's a lot of content to be pushed out at all times and that all takes, you know, long time to edit and put together. So, yeah, you know, so, um, talk to us, man, about your journey, kind of like on YouTube. So, you know, Bahama Lama, you know, coral, the, um, then you were doing uh, videos for, for, um, bulk reef supply yep. and then, uh, reef builders. Talk to us about how all that uh, transpired. Gosh, I, th I think I might have told this story in the last one, but uh, essentially what I just, you know, as as I got into reef keeping more and more and, you know, I've been keeping aquariums since I was a kid and really got into the, the coral side of things, um, I'd say 10-ish years ago, you know, so I've been keeping animals in, in uh, glass boxes for a while, but never like the coral coral stuff. So I started posting pictures on my my personal Instagram account and everybody was like what are you doing what is this stuff this is weird so i <laughs> i made up my, i we were in line at disney world and i was just trying to think of some weird name to call my instagram channel for nothing but reef pictures and coral pictures and all that stuff and uh, that's where bahamalama coral kind of kind of came about and um uh you know as soon as you start posting that stuff you find your community pretty quickly because <laughs> we're pretty niche you know there's not a whole lot of us here especially in saltwater freshwater is a whole different beast but um yeah i started posting there and then i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm starting to get into this more i've, I've got this i had a tank for a while and then i started up a frag tank and i was like i'm gonna just document this journey so that's kind of where the youtube channel started and you can see the progression. I mean, like uh, all of us who have any YouTube channel experience or whatever, the first couple videos are not awesome. Suck. <laughs> just kind of you feeling your way around and just kind of, you know, and I've always been that way. I've never been the type of uh, the type of YouTuber that's going to like 
just give you a, a ton of information. This is mainly a narrative, a, a, a story of my experience and what I'm going through. And, you know, if I come up with or if I find any answers along the way, this is what worked for me. This is uh, how I got through this problem. And that's kind of where the YouTube channel uh, started. And then, you know, you get into it. I've got some uh, pretty extensive video and, you know, I've been you know, working in radio and all of that. And then broadcast media, it's kind of like part of the daily gig. So just kind of put those two things together and then you get the YouTube channel. So, so, so how, how did, um, how did you get to, um, to be where you're at today in terms of being on reef builders? How did all that develop? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, with the bulk reef supply thing that, that came up and I don't even know what, what the year, I think it was 2021, maybe August. I had Randy, if you remember Randy from bulk reef supply had reached out and he was like, Hey, we really like your style. We've been, um, wanting to expand the team for a little bit on the video side of things. And would you want to come on and, or at least, you know, talk to Ryan and I about coming on. And I said, sure, let's, let's, I mean, that's awesome. Right. It's, yeah. it's kind of a dream gig to be like, Oh, bulk supplies knocking on the door. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so I got on with them and, you know, they had very blatantly told me in the beginning that it was going to be mainly you're doing products, you're doing product reviews, you're, you know, teaching people about products and, then maybe after I graduated from that, then I could do kind of the stuff that I'm more known for in the storytelling world. And we just didn't get that far. We got to, I think, four or five months in and, you know, shortages and money issues and all the things kind of compiled on, on top of it. Once I wasn't happy and they could tell because it, it's just not like, I don't know, I'll do a product review. I'm, I'm there for it, but that's all I was doing. And it just wasn't. And Thomas does such a good job of it. He's just so good at it. There's like no way to, there's no way to Top outshine him, yeah, that man. Yeah. And not that I was trying to, but he sets the bar so high. His process is crazy and, and talking to him about it. I love that dude so much. He's one of the nicest guys in all of this industry. So, um, but yeah, so we just parted ways. It was, it was amicable. It was fine. And then I think it was, you know, man, it was probably, it was several months after Jake had passed that uh, I was told that my name had kind of come into the conversation of people that could help the, you know, as far as content goes with the video stuff. And even when Jake was alive, we had talked a couple times about maybe doing some collabs on, you know, reef therapy and things like that. He knew I was, you know, in the radio side of things. So um, we had talked a couple times about that. Nothing ever came to fruition with that. And I think it was a timing thing and, mm. you know, so that's kind of where that happened. We got talking further and met Raj and, you know, the rest is kind of history. So, well, yeah, I mean, listen, you're, um, you went from kind of like one high visibility role with bulk reef supply into another, you know, with, uh, with reef builders. And, you know, obviously Jake was a, uh, was a legend. How, how was that kind of coming in, you know, to, um, you know, you weren't replacing Jake. I mean, nobody can replace, uh, Jake, but you know, there's, there's a lot there, right? I mean, Jake certainly had a, um, a big following and, and, um, you know, people were, were really glued to that kind of content. How, how was that like yep. for you to come into that kind of situation? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of pressure, dude. It is unbelievably daunting. It still is. Um, and I remember having a lot of, uh, uh, when he did pass, I mean, it was a very emotional time for a lot of us who, you know, and I, I, I knew him, we, 
talked several times. We called each other several times, but it was nothing in comparison to, you know, Chris Meckley's on in the chat right, right now. And it's just, it's, it's devastating to so many people. Yeah. And I can't even imagine what that's like if you're Windsor and, you know, you've got a child who was on our who was on our call today, which is she always brings Reef on to all of our conference <laughs> calls. And it's like it gives me goosebumps right now just thinking about it because he's such a he's such a, a cool little dude. Um, but uh, it, it's daunting, to say the least. And and I wanted to say this on this podcast because <clears throat> it's uh, I think it, it a lot of people may have seem to think that I had it in my mind that I was replacing Jake or that I was going to be coming in and doing that. But I have never once thought, and I hope that anybody that knows me would also would also think the same thing that mm. there is no, like you said, there's no replacing Jake. There's three people on reef therapy right now, you know, always. And, and we don't even touch his knowledge. There was a reason on reef therapy why it was just him and Mark is because he's just an encyclopedia of everything reefing. And now we have to supplement. We have to bring in, we have to go to the experts. We have to get those things. And I've always just kind of viewed myself in this role as a liaison between the hobbyist and the industry and, and, and kind of linking those two things up. It's what we do on the radio. We link country artists with the listeners. You know, it's what we do. The fact that I have reefing knowledge helps because I can understand, I can take this from, from expert and translate it to hobbyists. You know what I mean? And every day I learn more and more. And every the video that I'm editing right now is uh, Julian Sprung going off about some Duncan Samia and some uh, fox corals. <laughs> and I mean, these, these are corals that are very underappreciated in the hobby, right? But he is just going off about it. It's like... It's so fun to listen to people talk yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. And every single day, I absorb so much from from like people like you, Keith, from Chris Meckley, from you know Raj, from a business standpoint, just all of this stuff. I I really wish that I could devote you know a full time my full time to this. Um, right, because your your real job is a radio personality. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So this is it's just it's just very. It's hard to balance the two from time to time because, you know, that Jake, this was his life and he got a chance to be in that studio every single day around all of that coral and and just immerse himself in that. And I look forward to a day when that can be my story. Right now, it's not. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, I just want to keep the thing going as hard as it is to go through the trolls and to have people saying, you know, you're doing an awful job or, you know, uh, why are you trying to be Jake or all of these things? And these are just not true. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to carry this torch along with a great team of people and, you know, brief therapy. Obviously, we want to keep these things going and it's going to be a rocky start. It just is, you know, no, no, no road ever starts with smooth pavement. We'll get mm. there eventually. But I think the Reef Builders brand is too valuable to the hobbyist to just go, yeah, I think we're just going to let this thing go. Yeah. So. Um, some comments here from the viewers. Um, Franklin West, Remy is doing a great job with such a tough act to follow. Um, Austin Lee, Remy, I just want to say that you've done an amazing job stepping into the role you have at Reef Builders. You're doing great. Um, Alex Correa, don't, hey, what's happening, Alex? Don't you worry about the people that may think you are replacing Jake. We all know there will be no one like him. 
Um, Chris Meckley, uh, Jake would say, don't feed the trolls. Yeah. Yeah. We've, Chris and I have had some talks about trolls. Uh, but you know, and, and, and I'm sure you've, you've gotten this before too, just being out there and delivering information and being that liaison, Keith, there's always going to be someone that's, you know, got an issue with whatever you said. Yeah, it's tough, and, man. It is tough. Um, great bearded reef haters will always hate. Unfortunately, keep up the great work. Bahama Lama. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, like you take that stuff personally. You know, somebody makes a comment like that, and it's um, it's, I mean, you know, it's easy to delete the comment, but you know, it's uh, it's also something where you know, if if, if they're making a a statement and it's kind of putting you on the spot, so to speak, and you don't want to hide from a comment. So um, yeah, it's uh, you know, usually I think um, the best policy is to not engage with that sort of nonsense because it's not constructive unless there you know there's some constructive criticism but if they get personal all that crap then it's not constructive it's just um a, a bad use of our time to uh, yeah. en engage and, and respond to that sort of uh, stuff maurice you're doing a great job um franklin west reef therapy is amazing i watch listen to every episode yeah what's um so what's what do you what's the future with reef therapy there remy what uh what's the plan moving forward i know it's been you Raj you, you guys uh, had me on as a guest which I want to thank you so much for I had a lot of fun yeah on that show you've uh, you've gotten had Mark uh, rotate in there and and some other you mentioned other guests coming in what um what does the future hold for uh, reef therapy moving forward just gonna keep on doing what we do you know um I think the like I had mentioned earlier with with Jake at the helm previous it was just him and Mark and there weren't a whole lot of guests that had come on and I think that that's where at least my plan is to supplement with guests as much as we can you know having sarah stevens on talking about florida reef track and just kind of <clears throat> opening people's eyes up to what our back what's going on in our backyard like this is this is like devastating stuff or talking about uh talking to kevin berta over at top shelf aquatics i think you know we want to get taras on and talk about phytoplankton the the bill nye the science guy of phytoplankton um we've got uh, some young so we've got some youth in the reef builders like article sector uh a guy named salem who is all about you'll you'd love him keith because he's all about bacteria hmm. and you know the natural approach to having a reef less antibiotics less chemicals more natural uh which is actually we, we could talk about this a little bit later the the way of the uh, reason i am starting this 625 the way i did was because of some of your influence and some of uh, uh, Salem's as well, and just you know talking to to reefers as well. But yeah, I think yeah, we're just gonna keep we're just gonna keep on keeping on with that. Uh, I know there's a, a ladies of reef builders that's gonna come out. Just all ladies podcast. Um, we'll be we'll be doing that in the next couple weeks. Um, Mark is gonna be on the next episode. He's got a little bit of a announcement, so he's gonna be talking with us about that. Um, but yeah, we're just going to keep kind of kind of doing what you do. But uh, we'll also do like live stuff at Reefstock. And um, I think we're going to be at Aquashella coming up here in Daytona. So there'll be some live opportunities for um, for reef therapy as well. Very cool. Um, so I'm noticing some other comments here. Um, Insane Reefer Remy, I'm loving the reef therapy, everything from the knowledge to the humor. Yeah um i concur um 
Northwest Scapes. I meant to comment this on the episode where Mark mentioned them, but the Stein Art Aquarium in San Fran has the only peppermint angel on display in the world. That would be a fun trip to see. Yeah. Yep. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, so you've been doing a lot of traveling around, man, in terms of um, being <laughs> on the road. I mean, so what percentage of your time, right? So you, you've got a full-time gig, but you're doing all this stuff with reef builders, yet you're also traveling around for, for reef builders. How the hell, man? How are you managing all that <laughs> stuff? It's actually, so it, it actually, it probably looks like I travel more than, than I actually do. So the plan from the start, and this is kind of the plan that I had with B, BRS, but it never actually came to fruition was, you know, to travel maybe once every month and make it a long weekend. And then in that weekend, shoot four to five different videos. So, uh, mm. Cleveland, for instance, we went and saw Than. We saw, you know, all of his stuff, which is crazy. That was my first time being there. It was probably the most relaxed video shoot I've ever been on in my life because we'd go shoot a video and then Than would, you know, he'd have, we'd go to lunch and it'd be like Than style lunch. Uh, <laughs> and then we'd come back and we'd they shoot another video. Tie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never saw that man outside of tire. dress attire. Yeah. 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 Um, we'd shoot another video. He'd have gelato that he just made up in his kitchen and <laughs> <in> his, in his <laughs> building for us. And then we'd go to like steak dinner after that. I don't know. Wow. You're it's getting wined and dined. It's then right. <laughs> this doesn't happen everywhere, but, uh, yeah. So, so like we shot four or five videos that weekend. We, we, uh, there's a recent video that we posted with Jeff, who's got a really awesome system in Cleveland and he was awesome to talk to Jeff and, his last name is Dick, Jeff Dick. He's okay. got the uh, he's got the Black Widow Nems over 200 wow. Nems in okay. one tank. He his system is just immaculate. He's, you know, one of those meticulous guys. I would imagine he's probably a lot like you Keith and uh, I, Kevin Berta comes to mind with meticulous. Um, but yeah, he thought of everything in his home system, super knowledgeable. And those are the kinds of interactions that I like the most are just meeting with other hobbyists and seeing what they've come up with, seeing what they've brewed up, you know, because there's so much nuance in this hobby and everybody's got different tastes. So it's, yeah. it's just fun. So to answer your question, I guess I'm really only traveling probably once a month. I think May was a little heavy. I think I maybe went two or three times, but there was a there's an Aquashella mixed in there. And um, yeah, so when that happens, when there's like a show or something that that adds to it, but it's not too bad um reefer boy connor from hannah here tuning in big fan of both your podcasts thanks a lot there connor appreciate that so what's the most memorable thing so far in your brief travels remy in terms of um places that you visit what what has stood out the most in your mind in terms of what you had have, had seen um going to the the rebuilder studio 100 percent we went we were there that's yeah. i think that's where we met for the first time Restock. was that yeah Restock. in person yep and there was a moment there, I think, for the VIP party that was at the Rebuilder studio that night where we got a chance to go. It just wasn't the same because there was, you know, hordes of people yeah. in there. It was a great conversation. Yeah. We were having a great time. It was awesome. But I think going back to the Rebuilder studio, just me, uh, camera guy, and we just made content. And it was so wild to be in that space because you feel it and i'm telling you every hobbyist that's watching right now it is a feeling that you get in that studio um 
And I thought everything looked great. I I think the um the video that we shot, some of the color was off, but it wasn't the coral. I promise you, it was not the coral. It was the video, and that was probably on me. Um, you know, because we're using big, nice cameras, and those orange filters on on the big DSLRs are are hard, and they're just they're very nuanced as well. You'd be amazed at how much better like an iPhone and an orange filter takes video or more true colors than it's, you know a dslr it's uh, it's tricky i mean i um i use like a mirrorless camera which is a very similar now we're getting techie in terms of camera stuff but uh, <laughs> you know the the video cameras you know they also come with um you know white balance features so you know i i, I try to dial in the white balance on the um on the different tanks but it's hard because you've got um depends on the spectrum that let's say the led fixture is throwing off or if you've got halides you're shooting there, there were no halides in this in the uh, reef builders uh, studio but um at least well, I, I couldn't remember seeing any so it's no. it's not easy because um yeah you could take the orange filter out and put it on an iphone or something like that and it will really wash out a lot of that um blue light but it's uh it's hard when you're using a more advanced um piece of camera equipment to actually get that realistic um you know representation of what you're looking at but i agree with you man you know when i went to the uh to the studio back in um last uh march it was uh it, it was a it was a real thrill i think um to to kind of see what um was built you know by jake in that uh studio and all the different tanks and just you know you can kind of see the um how, how meticulous he was and and the the love of the corals and the animals and what have you that went into it so it uh certainly is uh, a a memorable place in my mind place yeah. that i've visited He's a, he's, he was a superhuman for sure. I, you know, I have three tanks here four now and I can't keep up, you know, it's like, it's, it's hard to, to keep up with all that. And to think that he had, I don't even know what the number is, but you know, it's, it's 15 plus tanks in there, freshwater and saltwater. It's a, it's a lot of just straight up work to keep it looking like it does. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, things have evolved a little bit there. I know that Jack, uh, we were just talking, um, he's going to be shooting some video here coming up soon because obviously I'm in St. Louis and the studio's in Denver and I have a full-time job. So we're going to we're gonna be training Jack a lot on, on getting some of that video content from the studio more and more as much as we can um, because it's just growing. You know, it's just sitting there growing. It's, it's not... <laughs> You know the mangrove lagoon is looking phenomenal. He uh, he moved the uh, blue carpet anemone over there, uh, like Jake had mentioned in one of his videos that he you know eventually wanted to get that big blue uh, carpet in there, and so he's moved that over. It's it's uh, it, it's in definite need of a video update, so that's that's coming soon. But yeah, so uh, we got Jim Telegram is in the house. What's happening there, uh, Jim? Jim. Go ahead and text Moki and tell him to get into the chat so you guys could have a super chat war with Remy and I on. Keith needs some cash. I'm just Josh, and I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, uh, so Jim is saying, I've hit the like button. Have you? There we go. Let's let's uh, let's hit that like button. Nice. Um, Peter T. Over now, we're getting into some Telegram jokes. Um, telegram or your pants on? I think the one of the uh, 
one of his podcasts or streams, he didn't have his pants on. So uh, we, we I, I was texting with him before this, and I said uh, I was a little bit nervous, you know, for you know, representing Reef Builders. And he goes, just take your pants off. So it must be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, stop, stop telling me to take my pants off, bro. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, Chris from ACI is asking, Remy, when are you going to come to ACI not to shoot videos to embrace the farm? Question mark. Yeah, we've talked about that because I, I, I've told them straight up. Like, I mean, Chris is obviously a wealth of coral knowledge as well. I mean, both him and Jake, I, you know, witnessing them talk to each other is a whole different experience. But I told them I didn't even want to shoot any video down there. I just wanted to kind of follow them around for a couple of days and just, you know, have them yell at me and, and, and coral talk, you know, as Chris does and just absorb and just be there because there's so much there. Right. So, and he was also, you know, in Jake's brain as well. So we got Mark Vanderwall in the house. What's happened there, Mark. Um, so man and Meckley is throwing this uh, out here. Can't believe it will soon be a year that Jake is gone. Keith, you and Chris should have a tribute three hour live and bring some of his close friends in. No pressure. Miss Jake and Mark Vanderwall. Yeah. Tribute would be awesome. Yeah. We should, uh, that would be cool. we should think about something like that. How to um how to pull that off. Um yeah, for sure. Um all right, so in terms of the so you mentioned the uh, the studio. Besides um the studio Remy Remy, what um what would you say well you could include the studio in this, but in terms of all your travels and what have you, what would you say A would be the most impressive coral you have seen in your travels with reef builders, and then B, what would be the most impressive fish? Mm. The king eye at the studio for sure. I love that fish so much. Uh, happy birthday to Mark Vanderwall, by the way. It's his birthday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, happy birthday there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish him a happy birthday on Facebook. Uh, man, I'm trying to think of like a, a solid moment. I mean, with the uh, Ganiastria at uh, Aquashell with Chris Meckley, I mean, walking around with him and him just showing me the three corals that really stood out to him, that Ganiastria really took my breath away. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a system. I would say, honestly, the, one of the first systems that I, I would actually shot it for the llama channel, but this was like all in transition a guy named Paul in Indianapolis who used to own a reef shop and now solely does maintenance, but he does maintenance for like a lot of high end clients. Um, and he has some of the great the greatest tanks he's running that eco wheel i don't know if you remember me talking about that or seeing that uh -huh. but he's he's been running a tank i think it's been for like 20 years or something the same tank running this old eco wheel and it is loud and it is gurgly and and all of the things but it just gets the job done i just feel like i think he graduated college as an engineer and seeing the detail that he has for everything and knowing where everything is and when everything was placed and all of those things, it, I think that was probably one of the most impressive systems that I've seen in a long time. So uh, both him and Doug, both from Indianapolis, had great systems and inspirational for sure. So um, if, you, if you get a chance, go back and if, if you haven't seen those videos, get a, get a chance uh, and go look at those because... See that uh, Windsor is in the house. 
Thanks for uh, for joining us there, Windsor. Hopefully, um, we've got uh, Reef watching as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, all right. So we got some super chats coming in here. I really appreciate this, folks. Telegram. Tenor. Tenor. Telegram nice. starts it off there. And Ryan Washington, thank you so much for that intrinsic Reef. Thank you as well. Um, Oh, we got a we got a cockwasser question in there for for, for Chris Meck. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. Ali uh, Project Reef. Yep. Um, another question for you in terms of uh, your travels, there, Remy. What uh, what is the most unexpected thing you have seen? The most unexpected, the thing that surprised you the most. Uh... Gosh, it's hard to distill. I almost, I feel like I need to go back through all the videos that we've shot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, the, this is, this, this is a softball, um, at least until I figure out something, um, more unique, but <laughs> Than's place is crazy. Have you been there, Keith? No, I, um, I definitely want to, that's, that's on my list in terms of visiting, um, places, Dan's place. I want to go check out um, Andrew's uh, Polo Reef. That would be pretty awesome. You you went to see Andrew, right? I have you, not. You have not. I have okay. not yet. No. Yeah. The, the, I, I believe the door has been opened at least through Reef Builders. I've not ever talked to Andrew about going, but I think it'd be an awesome experience. I mean, he he's said several times, you know, anybody and everybody. I, I just want to share this, and I I, I can appreciate that. So. But yeah, Than's Than's attention to detail through both of those, both the greenhouse and the new building is it's out of this world. Like I just can't. I And I think that, that that's what impresses me most if because it's what I want is <laughs> having organizational skills like that yeah. and just knowing the right way, maybe not the first time, but maybe the second or third time and just getting it right. Because Than learned so much from the greenhouse to the new building. The plumbing is intricate. It looks great. The cords are managed. The lighting is on point. Uh, all of the tanks are on wheels. Like, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's just it's so user friendly. I think, uh, but from an impressive standpoint, I think that that's probably like to his whole operation. And then wondering just a, the enigma of than like mm. how is how how he's an impressive it. dude it's <laughs> <laughs> all i have is one question it is how <laughs> it's um it's pretty insane when you when you think about it in terms of all the uh the stuff that he has uh, accomplished with that new building i can only imagine that seeing it in person would be um just even more over the top impressive and yeah and i'm telling you it's so quiet like you could probably hear my system in the background. You could, I can kind of oh, hear really? yours in the background. Yeah. yeah it's it like, it's so quiet in Dan's like you walk in the door and it sounds like a conference room. <laughs> I am, I am the worst in terms of keeping quiet reef tanks. That's not something that, um, I strive to do. I almost kind of yeah. like, like the, um, the relaxation of the water in the, uh, in the background. So, you know, people always like reach out to me as like, Oh, what kind of like, you know, overflow box and drain setup do you have with the, um, you know, with, with your fish tanks and, you know, do you have the, uh, you know, the Durso set up or, you know, the animal, the bean animal. And I was like, I just basically have external overflow boxes. I've got, um, 
you know, two one and one half inch drains that uh, there's nothing fancy in there. I've got a lid on each of the overflow boxes or glass overflow boxes, and that's it. You know, so they do make some uh, make some noise. And I've got open top tanks. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's never really bothered me either. But yeah, Than has skimmers sitting on soundproofing. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> that, that that is uh, a little uh, yeah over the top. Um, so what do I want to ask you? Um, all right, yeah. So we were talking before the uh, the live stream. You you um you guys reef builders had posted something about pallies and and the dangers of of keeping those those um corals. Talk talk to uh talk to us about that, man. It, uh, interestingly, it seems like there's different opinions about keeping that coral in reef tanks. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I want to say that Jeremy is Jeremy, our our lead writer at Reef Builders, is kind of also in charge of those posts, um, and he loves to post up questions. I mean, that's you, you want to get people talking on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get some interaction on Facebook, and so he's got great ones up here, like who's your favorite angelfish, or you know things like that. But this one, I think, because of the text on the actual, it's. I'm looking at it right now. Danger coral, uh, very bad coral. Uh, you know, and it's 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 the big palygrandus. It's the you know the nuclear greens and and those kinds of pallies that are kind of known for making people sick if you mishandle them mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. And um, yeah, it's just interesting to me that like I've never been I've never been hit with pally toxin before, and I've done plenty of frag sessions even on the llama channel i mean i feel like as a more green reefer you kind of tend to lean more into those beginner corals and i would classify a pally or a zoa as a beginner coral it's really geared towards you know you, there's a lot of media attention around that geared towards the beginner um i think it's it, someone said it's you know it's very it's a nuanced thing it's not like it's going to affect everybody in the same way but you got to be careful and it, it it doesn't exist until it does. And I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. like, there's so many people that are, that are saying that, uh, why, why are you spreading misinformation or whatever? And it's like, no, we're not it's like, it's, this is legit. Like Windsor's in the chat right now. And she's the first, uh, comment on here that says I've been hit twice by this and <laughs> she wasn't even fragging it. You know, it was on a frag rack that she was cleaning. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just interesting. We were talking about the different opinions, how, you know, one reefer can think this and then one reefer thinks the exact opposite thing. And I really don't, I think that palytoxin is one of those things that doesn't exist until you've been affected by it. And then you're like, Oh, I get it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think, um, and, and somebody in the, um, Amanda Meckley brings up a great point. It's a, uh, it's a great reminder to be careful for new hobbyists because I, I had those pallies when I was a new hobbyist. You know, I remember having those things in my, uh, reef tank yeah. and I didn't even know what they were, you know, um, they, they, they grew really well. They look really cool. They're hardy, but, um, you know, thank goodness I didn't get, uh, I didn't get stung by them or, 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 um, got, got sick, but I've heard stories where, um, I'm not sure who told the story on on this uh, live stream. It might have been Sanjay, but somebody said that um, they took a rock with the pallies out into the backyard and just like dumped the rock with the pallies in the backyard and left it there for a while. And um, and then um, I don't know after months or a year or whatever it was, 
decided to take that rock and, and put it back in the tank because, um, you know, needed some live rock. I wanted to be able to, to, um, you know, have some rock to, to have some bacteria, um, colonize it. And the pallies survived somehow the pallies <laughs> survived. That's freaking crazy. You know, yeah. that they came back in that rock and somehow survived being in, uh, you know, in dirt in a backyard someplace to um, to resurrect themselves. That's that's some scary shit. Yeah. I think you just got to with pallies or zoas, be careful. Know the risks. If you're fragging, know the risks. If you're around them, there are a lot that grow a lot faster than others. Um, they're super pretty. There's so many different color variations. I think that's what, probably the most attractive thing about them is you know, you can get them in yellows and pinks and purples and blues and yellow and, and oranges and all the different colors. Uh, so that's, I think, what makes it most attractive. But, you know, palytoxin is real. And uh, Chris is in the chat. Maybe, Keith, you know, but we don't know technically which Zoas or Pallies carry this hmm. in what potency, right? There's not any definitive research from variant to variant right i don't I mean please correct me if i'm wrong chris if if you know or amanda or anybody in the chat really but there's not like a the green ones are worse than the purple ones are worse than the grandest are worse than the you know what i mean so i think just be careful with all of it and that's kind of how i've always treated it is just like a blanket have eye protection on we've all got masks now might as well put one of those on too so you don't get it in your mouth uh, always wear gloves you know things like that Yep. You know, I, I might have gotten the story wrong. I'm not sure the pallies actually came back to life, but I think what happened was that uh, Sanjay or somebody got affected by the toxins in that rock. So that the toxins somehow lasted um, by basically being out of water and, and um, just sitting for months on, on end. And then um, it might have been Sanjay or whoever else got um, was impacted by the toxins after they were brought back into the uh, into the reef tank. Uh, Ari, I know a guy. Ari, I know a guy that has a pacemaker now because of an extreme case of palytoxin poisoning. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Brandon Scott Art. I always heard uh, Grandis is a um, that comment to keep away from. You, you know. So speaking of pacemakers, I um, ah, Moki's in the chat. There Thank you, Moki. All right. There he is. Jim, you're uh, you're up to bat now. <laughs> Um, so, so speaking of, um, pacemakers, I had a, uh, a shocking experience, um, earlier this week, I did a video and I put out on my channel about it, but, um, this is another thing that I think we have a lot of different opinions about, and that's the use of GFCIs in the hobby. You know, a lot of people don't like to use GFCIs because they will trip prematurely. And, and I certainly had that experience and, and I had my return pumps plugged into GFCIs and, and they trip because I think some lightning in the area tripped them and, and um, my return pump stopped and I had some overflows and all that crap. So, um, yeah, I was um, doing some maintenance with a MaxiJet powerhead. Every other day I take that powerhead and I go into all my tanks and I blow all the detritus off the rocks and, and if there's some stuff on the sand bed. I get, get that stuff and blow it out and get it up into the water column to get the uh, mechanical filtration, help remove all that stuff. But um, while I was doing that um, a couple of days ago, and I'm scared to do it the next time I have to do that maintenance, which is tomorrow. But um, <laughs> when I was doing that, that maintenance uh, yesterday, 
I was, uh, you know, going along with the, uh, the power in the tank and all of a sudden zap, you know, I, um, had this big shock going down my uh, arm that I had the, um, this arm when I was holding the power head on and, uh, that, you know, I got tagged and the GFCI tripped the circuit breaker, you know, and my electrical panel tripped and, um, you know, I, I dropped the power head on the floor and, Thank God I had uh, that power head plugged into a GFCI. You know, I think GFCIs are important in the sense that um, if you don't have them, then potentially you can get a fire started with, with the, uh, an episode. You're, um, they also potentially can prevent the current from getting into your heart. So, you know, it can prevent a heart attack. I think you can get electrocuted, you know. It can prevent potential electrocution or death. So there's a, but there are different opinions. You know, I had both Sanjay and, and Mike Paletta on. They're like, we don't use GFCIs. And, you know, I, I, I get it. It's, um, it's under, I mean, I didn't like challenge them on the show because, you know, they're two legends. I'm not going like, <laughs> to challenge your opinion. Come on, Keith. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I really feel strongly now about using GFCIs. I've got my return pumps on non-GFCI outlet so whenever i'm doing maintenance i will unplug those return pumps but you know that's that's another thing in terms of i think you know we got to think more about and and i i get it in terms of gfci safety and all that stuff in terms of not using them um because it could cause equipment to turn off when you're not home which could impact the corals and you're going to lose corals but i'm an advocate for a reef having the you know trumping the reef keeper's life over the coral's life I, I i do believe corals are very important i always uh you know whatever i can do to to keep my corals healthy and happy i will do but i think i value my life more than uh you know the corals that i keep so it's a uh, it, it can be a slippery slope yeah yeah i i got tagged once too i was doing the old uh the old one-handed unplug had water on my fingers kind of thing and you know mm. got zapped in between the the pulling out of the plug on the power strip uh had something else in my other hand and was just trying to do too much at once and uh it's it's a feeling that you do not forget <laughs> it sucks it that's really, for sure it really sucks and i think like uh i you know i jim always rings in my head telegram always rings in my head for what's your plan what's your emergency plan what do you got for backup and uh, that's just one of those things, you know, it's, it's, it's going to ring in your head until you do it, until you get these, all your stuff hooked up to GFCI and you are safe about, you know, the hobby. Um, and you've got backup power and all of that, those kinds of things too. But I feel like all of those things that are in the back of your mind that are just like, Hey, you should probably take care of this, make a checklist, take care of those things. <laughs> Because they pay off in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea by uh, Ari Reef. I'm going to start a new reef, um, a new live stream, just challenging other reefers debate style. Remy will ask the questions and, and mediate. There we go. A debate style reef keeping program. I like that. That would be interesting. Someone had, su someone had suggested on the last reef therapy that we did, I think his name is Trevor. I don't want to mess up his name, but um, he had said, because we were talking about this whole idea of do you start a tank from live rock or live sand or do you just go completely dry? And then on top of that, 
allowing a natural bacteria, a microbiome to grow and do its thing and less antibiotics and less chemicals. And, you know, he, his rebuttal to that was these chemicals and antibiotics keep our reef tanks in check. And I think that that might be one of those good debates to have to where, you know, UV sterilizers are, are those every, you know, a lot of people run them, but is that the best thing for your natural reef? I don't know. But then there's the argument of nothing is natural about this. No. You know what I mean? We try, we try, but that might be a good, I, I actually, I like that idea. So, yeah, yeah, there, no, there are definitely a lot of different opinions about the, uh, the use of different things and, and whether certain things are necessary. So it's, um, that's a, uh, complexity of the hobby for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So dude, you've got this tank behind you. Talk to us about the new, uh, Red Sea reefer, the new Red Sea reefer, 625 G2 plus got, it's uh, got wet. Yeah. Got wet yesterday. So did the hydro test like, uh, two weeks ago had RODI running through this bad boy for four or five days ish. No leaks. Everything works fine. Good to go. Drained it. Mixed some salt yesterday. Um, and then I also had Tampa Bay saltwater live sand coming in the mail, not coming in the mail, but I went to Southwest cargo to pick it up. And, uh, so I'm, I'm tubbing that in the sump right now. Uh, I really want to hold true to the bare bottom, uh, look, you know, as this is kind of like the first tank that I've built since Jake and, you know, reef builders and all, the, all the things. So it's kind of a little bit of a tribute to him. Um, hope to eventually get some, you know, some, uh, a mortal tort in here and a lot of the corals that he talked about in articles and things like that. I think that'd be really awesome, but very nerve wracking as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a six twenty five. It's everything is red sea. This is, this was given by red sea. So full transparency, I didn't buy any of this. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's run well so far. I mean, everybody has talked about, or, you know, has had their opinions on the previous generation of red seas. And like I've told everybody, we're going in this together. So, <laughs> you know, whatever happens, happens. And I will report on that. Yeah. So, yeah, full transparency throughout the entire journey. So I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to talk anything up where it doesn't need to be talked up. So, uh, yeah, I'm you know, very appreciative of this of this large tank. So um, Ari is asking, Remy, are you going to implement trace element dosing on the new system via Captivate or Moonshiners, or are you going to keep it simple and focus on the main, you know, calcium, alkalinity, magnesium, pH, et cetera? What's the plan of attack? Um, I'm probably going to go straight uh, Calcwasser for the foreseeable future. The Moonshiners method is intriguing to me. But given my time and tendencies right now, I don't know that I'd be able to devote that much energy to because uh, in, in Cleveland, we met Jeff who had uh, who had said who was doing the Moonshiners method. He's just like, oh, it's just uh, 12 drops of this a night and 14 drops of this a night. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's already too much. <laughs> With traveling and all those things, I can't imagine telling my wife or whoever that they're going to have to drop how well, many drops. I, I know whatever. what um, I know what um, you know. So what I do with um, with Captivate um, Aquaculture Trace Elements, and I was working with um, Chris Wood in this. I think Chris Meckley gave me the idea. Is basically you can mix up and and perhaps you can do this with the Moonshiners uh, method as well. But you can pretty much mix up a um, a batch of traces in RODI water for like a thirty day period. 
right? And and so you um, you just kind of figure out via the uh, the Captivate Agriculture uh, calculator in terms of how much of the traces you're supposed to put in there. You do monthly ICP testing, and um, so you're utilizing those results. And then you just kind of put the uh, the amounts. You've got this trace element cocktail that you put together, and you dose it over a 30-day period. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's doable. You know, you gotta kind of like um, once you figure out where you are are at in terms of putting the uh, the initial elements and trace elements into that cocktail, then uh, you just put it on a doser, and so you could pretty much um, dose them all at the same time and not have to worry yeah. about it. So yeah, that's that's a good idea. That's that's a really good idea. Um, I think I think the overarching goal here is just to keep it super simple. Um, yeah, and to. I hear you. To go slow, I, I I always think of Moki's tank. I guess it's it's not new anymore, but taking it slow, step by step. That's that's how I would like other hobbyists to do it. I don't know that you know, like everybody knows, nothing nothing good ever happens quickly in no, a reef tank. No. Um, and I want to set a, as good of example as I possibly can with this thing, and kind of take people along the journey. So they are setting up a, a tank like it's got the reef mat and a skimmer on it probably won't even turn the skimmer on for a while um at least until there's a decent amount of fish in there um and i'm feeding regularly but that reef mat is pretty awesome it's uh it's already uh, one of my favorite pieces of equipment and i've you know i've only had it on the tank for what uh, two or three weeks at this point with water maybe yeah. a week total so yeah yeah um yeah that's that's a that's actually a pretty cool little little guy there i've never had a filter roller before so a lot of this is new for me and i kind of like it like that because while there are a lot of people here in the chat who are super super experienced and have done this a bajillion times you know this isn't it's while it's not my first rodeo it's not something that i've done repeatedly over time and yeah. i know that there's a lot of hobbyists in the you know that get into it and get intimidated by that kind of uh you know if you go in and ask a simple question on any kind of facebook page you're gonna get lit up in the comment section <laughs> just with fake answers or people trying to be funny or or do your own research first or it's like i just want to be community oriented in every way shape and form with all of this so i like your attitude man i think um simplicity is a real key you know i think that um if you let just mother nature take its course and and just kind of like sit back and watch things happen versus um trying to add this trying to add that or or trying to do too much at the beginning at least then then i think things would go south but i i, I like your attitude i think you know when i started my uh, my latest tank the peninsula tank a few years ago i uh i didn't add any corals for um six months i kept the lights at 10 percent intensity that was something that I followed Greg Carroll's lead when he started his um, his tank, and, and I just wanted to minimize the opportunity for any um, algae to kind of take hold in that tank. Of course, I did get to dinos after, I think, month seven when I did crank those lights up because uh, my nutrients is completely bottomed out. So, um, but yeah, I think um, I, I just took pleasure in spending the first six months watching that tank and just rock and fish. Uh, I know that, um, you know, a lot of folks suggest adding as much coral as possible in a reef tank at the beginning. And, and I, um, you know, I understand the benefits of that. I think that, um, that's cool. 
I don't like to, um, you know, I've advanced far enough in the hobby where, where um, I think those kind of corals that you would put in a tank right from the get-go wouldn't be the um, collector type of corals that I like to keep. I think that if you could put in some hardy corals at the beginning and, and kind of use those as, um, you know, test cases, like to, to see whether they, they do well, that's cool. If they start taking off, then, you know, maybe you swap them out for something good down the line. But yeah. I think slow is, is a slow, slow and steady is a great way to start a tank. Yeah. That's an interesting comment. And St. Reaper says, sometimes doing it simple can hurt you. Imagine going complicated. <laughs> I got I to wrap my head around that, that comment. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's insane. So the, um, the rock, you, you, um, you, you, uh, you started your, uh, your tank with the same stuff that I started my reboot with, which is a Carib Sea Life Rock. Yes. And, yes. And uh, we were talking before the show. I, um, you know, I suspect a lot of my algae issues were due to that, uh, due to that rock. Although the uh, the rep at Carib Sea claims that there is not uh, really any phosphate in that rock, but you know, it was a uh, it was a struggle for me. Even in an established tank, I cooked that rock in a Rubbermaid tub with established tank water for for about six months. Yeah. And then when I put it in the tank, it um, it definitely you know I had a, a nice ugly phase for a few months, and I'm not wishing that on you, man. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it'll happen i'm sure of it <laughs> and you'll document it right i will document it yes yeah yeah uh, i've i've used i've used carib sea life rock in minimal forms and nano tanks here and there but never this much i mean the whole scape is is life rock so this will be again something we all go through together and i'm just starting this like anybody would start a reef tank you know um in this case, I chose to go with the with the live sand because of stories that I've heard about using this rock. And uh, even the local fish store had said, you're going to want to, I would much rather you go live rock than, you know, at least to seed the tank than yeah. just go straight dry. Uh, of course, Raj has other opinions about that. And, you know, we talked about that on Reef Therapy. But, you know, that's just one of those other polarizing things that that people... Uh, like to argue about but i got the tampa bay saltwater live sand and i tubbed that in the sump so hopefully getting some beneficial microbiome from all of that uh did catch one really dark green worm if anybody's dark green uh, worm yeah it was going crazy how big it could have been it it was um i'd say it was probably two and a half inches it was pretty small okay um, but it was just, it was going crazy. And I pulled it out. Um, Mark had said to look out for whelks, the black whelks, to pull those out if I see any. But honestly, I haven't seen too much life. And I think that's okay. Who knows what happens in six months when whatever eggs came in on the sand <laughs> hatch. <laughs> but uh, but I think that that's, that was a, a main deterrent for me not going with straight up, you know, the premium live rock out of the ocean is all of the critters that you get with that. That's fun for me. I would love to do that in another tank, just not this one. Um, but I would love to get, you know, the KP Aquatics or whatever and just let that live rock do its thing find the cool inverts that come along with it the macro algaes that excites me so much uh to find those kinds of i was looking in the sand last night i was i was just like before i went to bed i had my little flashlight out and i was like looking at the sand to see if i could see anything that was moving around and uh it's just i don't know that that whole thing is cool but i think that i think i kind of use a good little hybrid we'll see 
I feel good about the hybrid kind of live sand, dry rock avenue that I'm going. Um, I used Fritz Turbo Start too, dumped a bunch of bacteria in there. So we'll see. We'll see. Jim said I should send off a microbiome a sample to microbiomics. Yeah, just to see where my baseline is at this point. So um, NSB Reefs is asking me, can I go over the pros and cons of the cryptic sump? Yeah, so I have a cryptic sump in, in one of my sip, uh, systems, and um, I love it. I mean, because I do absolutely nothing to it, and um, I, I created the cryptic sump to, to house um, some Haitian live rock that was pulling out on one of my display tanks. I think, you know, the whole question with a cryptic sump is space. You know, mine is 60 gallons, so I think it's two foot by two foot by two foot cube. And I've got a whole equipment room where I, you know, have the space to, to put that sort of stuff. I don't know if all um, reef keepers have that luxury of that kind of space. But I think if, if you can plumb a, uh, a remote sump into your sump or uh, a sump adjacent to your sump and, and have a, uh, some sort of cryptic zone, I, you know, I guess it doesn't even have to be a cryptic zone. It could be just a, uh, another kind of sump if you don't have room in your sump to put live rock or, or what have you. But the, I, I always believe the more biodiversity and the more microfauna, the better, more sponges, that sort of thing. If you can have some place you know, other than, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the uh, scapes like your scape behind you is minimalistic. There's not a lot of rock that um, are in display tanks. So there, you know, that's one way to kind of get at the, um, um, you know, adding that kind of biodiversity. So I would say those are all pros for cryptic sump and, and the con is the, the space issue. Yeah, I, I actually uh, that just came up in conversation probably about a week ago, and I found your videos on that. Uh, I'm going to have to do some sort of cabinet for an ATO on this uh, for the 625. And I, Red Sea's solution to the ATO is just kind of setting the ATO within the sump on rails. This sump doesn't have those rails, mm. so I'm going to have to come up with a solution for the ATO. So my my solution was if I'm going to have to have a cabinet on one side of this thing, I kind of want to put a cryptic sump in there too, uh, and really, really juice it up. So when when you're when you're maintaining that, are you are you opening that lid a lot? No, to, never. No. Do you ever have to worry about sponges like growing on the overflows or you anything know, like I'll that? I'll like open up the lid every uh, few weeks just to make sure that um, you know there's nothing getting clogged up in the little mini overflow that I got in there. So, um, and I also have like an emergency drain in case the, the overflow inside of that cryptic sump does get clogged up. So yeah, there, there's a lot of crap growing in there and, um, I, um, I don't know exactly what's in there, but it's, uh, it's, it's cool too, because, you know, I also, um, I used to have a, um, a coral, a 20 gallon coral quarantine tank that I was had up running, you know, all the time, even if I didn't have any frags I was bringing in that I needed to, to quarantine. So I recently, I had the luxury of being able to break that quarantine tank down and take the live rock that I had in that tank and put it on my cryptic sump. So, you know, whenever I do bring in new corals, I could easily pull out the live rock from that cryptic sump and have an instant um, quarantine tank. So that's, that, that's like another benefit if you wanted to be able to set up some sort of uh, coral quarantine system and if you had a the ability to have run a cryptic sump then you can use that to house some rock which can be used for that purpose 
yeah, I, I, I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to go tide pooling it in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> Open that thing up and be like, what's what's crawling yeah. around in here? So uh, Moki uh, says, my favorite tank was a 10-gallon Nano with all Fiji Lab Rock many years ago. Random things would show up every week, and it was so fun to observe. Definitely made the cycling process more bearable. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, Winston Clark, what, what what's a cryptic sump? Cryptic sump is basically a um, a, a a place. It's it's like a, it's a sump that's all blacked out. So I've got this. Um, it, it's polycarbonate. I, I I can't remember the name of the uh, the material that it is, but it's it's um it's like a plastic poly type of cube container that's completely blacked out. There's live rock in there. I've got a um, a pump in my sump that feeds it. And it drains into the uh, another part of the sump, and just uh, it's a repository for stuff to grow in. As simple as that. So it um, it's cool because, like I said, it's uh, it, it allows you to um, you know have um, a lot of bi biodiversity, um, allows the bacteria population to really um, you know build up very nicely if you've got a minimal aquascape in your uh, display tank. So. You know, instead of potentially having to dose a lot of um, bacteria on a um, you know regular basis, cryptic sump to me is a um, is a nice little option to have if you can swing it. Yeah, gives a nice little place for all those all those uh, little critters to to flourish. Because I feel like, especially with I don't know how you are with your sumps, but uh, people like to keep them pretty clean these days uh, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not I think great. I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going for more of the clean look after having had a really messy refugium in the last tank. It just, you know, I had a lot of the blocks in there, and it just became this essentially uh, just a place for corals to go that didn't fit in the frag tank anymore, and then it just became overrun with everything and anything. Um, so I want to keep it clean, but it's a good place for like, if you've got a cryptic sump, it's a good place for all those, all those little guys to grow. Did, um, did you get a chance to meet Steve Wiest when you were at Reefstock out at the, uh, I don't... the Reef Builder studio? You didn't get a chance to talk to him? No, yeah, I had, no. I had him on my uh, live stream uh, a, a few weeks ago and he had one of those, um, probably one of the more iconic reef tanks in the uh, industry, uh, years ago. And and uh, you, you'll you'll uh, if you see a picture of it you'll you'll uh, remember the uh, the tank it's it's an it was an awesome um, setup and so now he's back in the game and he's got a a new reef tank it looks very similar but he is um, just incredible in terms of his attention to detail and the uh, the cleanliness and the organization of his equipment and even inside the tank there are no visible pumps or power heads inside of his tank. But the, um, the reason why I bring him up is because he does, um, whenever he does water changes, I think it's weekly water changes, he will drain his um, large sump and wipe it down, clean it right out. <laughs> so that's, that's taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's something very satisfying about that for me. Like if, if, if the cryptic sump is the place where all of the things live that you need, from a microbiome standpoint, from that bacteria and all the little sponges and things like that, uh, and you don't have to see it only when you want to mm -hmm. see it, kind of thing. I like that idea. I like that. So if I've got to have a cabinet, I'll have my ATO, and I'll also have my cryptic sum. Yeah, I love that. I just gotta, I just gotta figure out a way to engineer that and make it, make it all. 
I don't you know, plumb into the tank. I don't see any negatives other than the space issue. I mean, I think people like always asking me, you know, what about detritus buildup and, and stuff like that? I don't really see a lot of detritus building up in that stuff. I never siphon the thing out. So, um, and I'm always struggling to keep my nitrates and phosphates, you know, up. So it's not a, det a detritus trap for sure. Yeah. Any, any issues with, uh, like, I mean, I guess you wouldn't have any issues with anything that's photosynthetic, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, there, 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 there is like some feather dusters in there and, and other things. I mean, I think I did a video on it and somebody made a comment about some sort, some sort of critters that were in there. I was like, ah, oh, great. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> you should do, you should go tide pooling at some point on a, on a new video in your cryptic sump. I'd love to see what's in there. So how did, how did you, uh, yeah, exactly. How did, so how did you prep your, uh, carob seed life rock for the, uh, for the tank? Did you do anything special? I didn't. That's where I'm most nervous. Uh, and, and that's the thing is with, you know, the, another, another thing that goes along with making weekly videos and keeping up to pace with everything is not having the three to six months to cook the rock and not having all of that time to take it as slow as I would like to. And I think that was another reason that I went with the live sand route is just because i will see what happens here because i'm i'm you know obviously going to cycle without lights on or anything like that i know that's that can be a controversial subject for people but um i just i don't want to promote any nuisance algae when i don't have any utilitarian yeah um you know herbivorous fish or any or, or inverts in there yet you know what i mean so thank you reef exotico by luis Aceves. For that super chat, the comment is just made it still getting used to the new schedule, Senor Refum. <laughs> Remy, when not in when Endeavor again, come to my restaurant not far from the studio. Raj and Windsor know the way. Bring Keith too and tequila. And yeah. um and he also says Meckley can come too. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with the um with the uh, with the restocks? I know you guys were, were gonna have one in, in Chattanooga, but then um I guess it was just kind of a, a big challenge to, to get it to pull it off so quickly. Any um, any update in terms of uh, the restock Denver? Any um, um, restock Denver is still on. I don't know the exact date off the yeah. top of my head. Um, March, I think. Um, I don't know if Windsor's still here, but if she can, if someone can look that up. But it's it's just on the restock page. Chattanooga is still happening, I believe. It's just gonna. They unfortunately couldn't get dates quickly i mean anybody who's in the convention business knows well you got to look out for major holidays other reef conventions that are going on at the same time plus the convention center's availability all of those things play a role and i, I don't think we could get back into chattanooga until august yeah. i think of next year that's so, gonna be hot uh yeah but i man I just i was getting so pumped for chattanooga and i was so ready to go because i've never been and i've heard so many great things about that area of uh the u.s um so yeah yeah uh but yeah the next show is denver i've heard rumblings of other things that maybe that, that there could be some other things happening i can't talk i'm not going to say anything yeah. but yeah. uh but uh, yeah, Chattanooga will definitely happen again next year. It's just uh, there's there's I think s several factors in that um, in that decision. But that's that's above my pay grade, so I'm out of that. Great beer to reef, uh, <laughs> great beer to reef, Paul. Restock Denver, March second and third, two thousand and twenty-four. Thanks, Paul, for the uh, there you go the uh, the dates. Um, 
So, all right. Talk going to be brutal. Three shows in a row. Champion lighting supply. Um, intrinsic grief. I'm going tide pulling this weekend in Washington. It's been too long. Tide pulling as a kid was a huge inspiration for my reef keeping adventure. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I've never awesome. done that. I, oh, it's so fun. There's just, and I think that that's, I'll never forget the chance or the, uh, the first time when I harvested my first rotifer culture. And I remember getting emotional in the basement, looking at all these tiny forms of life. And I was like, this is like the very bottom of the food chain. This is where it starts. <laughs> but seeing all the critters that can just make the tiniest spaces their home is just fascinating to me. And I will say that that, you know, we don't I, I'm in the middle of the country. I'm in St. Louis. so I don't get the chance to go tide pooling like ever. Um, <laughs> I guess I could go down the Mississippi River, but, you know, there may be That's human body parts. That's a whole different type of tide pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, just going there. I remember on our honeymoon, my wife and I's honeymoon, they had a bunch of uh, faux reef and, you know, they just kind of imported it so that they could break the waves in this in this area and at low tide all of these tiny little you know holes would fill up and there would be a mini ecosystem in each other like fish and crabs so and, cool. and it was so awesome you go out there at night and it was a whole nother kind of life i've actually taken that kind of idea and i do that with the kids or we've been well the kids were at home for the summer um we go out when it got dark outside and we just go out with a flashlight around the house and it's just amazing the wildlife that you can find yeah. out there the toads and frogs and snakes and giant spiders and all the things and we take pictures of everything and come back in and uh we'd google see what it, see what the spider was if we didn't know what it was and i just think that that's the kind of stuff that inspires the next generation that inspires me as well to just continue doing this thing so yeah so cool. anyways Moki, yeah. thank you so much for that super chat. Um, he says he's got to catch the rest and replay. Thanks for the great chat. Remy doing a giveaway. Is Remy doing a giveaway with his Bahama Llama weeping willow? Yeah. Uh, Moki, it's been haunting me because my I think the last video I did on the Llama channel, it was if we reach 20,000 or 25,000, uh, then we'll do a, a weeping willow giveaway. So I'm staring at two large mother colonies in the lagoon tank right now and i just like you guys have all been doing such a better job at fragging this and like making it available amongst hobbyists i'm doing a, a terrible job at this uh and i get messages about this circle fighting every day and uh yeah i just need to do a better job of that but yeah we'll we'll do a giveaway at some point for sure are are, are you still selling corals are you still going to swaps to sell corals um, it was kind of like a little experiment for some content on the channel. I think I did three total and it was just, you know, what was that like clippings that, that I had, um, I had a, uh, an acrylic guy in town, make me a little frag tank with the llama logo in it, which is really <laughs> cool. And, um, I don't know. It was always fun. I, you know, you walk away with, uh, you know, a thousand dollars or so after hanging out with friends all day. I think that's a good day. You know, a, if you can get out of there without spending it all on other corals from other vendors, it's, it's been a good day. Um, but it's stressful. I will say that that's like the one thing I remember after my first marathon, I told my wife after I was done, I was like, Hey, remind me 
to never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get the itch again. It, it just comes back. And I don't know what it is. You know the pain and suffering you went through. And you <laughs> end up doing it again. So I, I did the frag swap probably three times total. And every single time leading up to it, I was like, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready for this. So kudos to all the vendors that go to those and go to multiple throughout the year. I know that there's a whole traveling yeah. circus of, you know, vendors that go to each one of these things. It's it's an art form. You know, and I think the only reason I survived is because our frag swap venue is five minutes away from my house. So, yeah, I did my uh, my first one at um, the Boston Reefer Society. And uh, I can't exactly remember the name of the town, but it was in the um, the greater Boston area. And and Paul, I got to thank you and all all the folks at uh, you know the club, which I'm a part of the club. But um, they made it a lot very very easy for me because when I walked in, basically the little they had a little frag tank with a light and pump and whatnot, and the water all set up for me. So all I had to do was just kind of like drop my frag rack into that little uh, tank, and I was yep. good to go. I had to drain the water out of there because I brought my own water, so that was like the only thing I had to do. But it was tough because you know I'm like a three and a half hour, three hour, three and a half hour drive, you know, from my house here in Vermont to. Um, to Boston, so I had to get up really early in the morning and um, put the. Uh, I basically had the frag rack all prepared with the frags on it. Just put it in a, a Tupperware bin with a lid on it, and just did I think three buckets of um, my tank water and, and transported it in the car. But I, I don't know how like those um, those larger operations manage it. it, it, it it's got to be a science, you know, and, and especially flying to those events. Like, yeah. wow, that's, that's, that's a big thing. And you're bringing, you know, all the, uh, all the display items that, um, you know, they got and, and, um, it's, it's not easy, man. It's not easy at all. It's, it's tough, but like you said, I think it was, it was a fun time. I enjoyed kind of like hanging out and talking with people and, and talking reef. So I had a lot of fun at it. Yeah, I think that, that that's the one thing. If you ever think about doing a frag swap and you've got enough coral to you know fill a tank with some frags and things like that, take every tool that you use to do a water change, and that's pretty much what you're going to need at the frag swap. You're talking extra water, hoses, tweezers, and that's just the bare minimum. Some of these guys have setups like, They've got banners and, you know, little pointy finger things yeah. and, you know, they dress it up. They've got all this really cool stuff at their booth. So uh, I was just bare bones tank and a, a, a square reader for cards. And that was pretty much it. So, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts and you did it all by yourself. Did you have some help? Uh, Tyler, uh, who's here in town has helped me, I think almost every single time. And, you know, everybody pitches in whenever you're at setup at one of those things. So, uh, if you don't have tweezers or if you forget a heater, usually somebody has an extra, they can help you out. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And it was also a lot of fun to talk to other vendors too. kind yeah. of, um, see what they had and they were checking out what I had and all that stuff. So, uh, yep. yeah, I was, I was uh, texting Paul earlier today. I was like, Hey Paul, that's having another, uh, frag swap. I'd be up. <laughs> he, he said it was in topsfield massachusetts the one last year last i think it was in november that was a lot of fun um so yeah man so what's what what's the um what what's the plan of attack then for the tank in terms of corals and adding and all that stuff you just got water in it are you going to take the um the um the long patient approach 
and just kind of like let it uh, let it ride for a little while. Or you could add corals right away. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'm, I'll I'll be patient. I'll add corals, but I'll I'll be patient if that makes sense. Uh, you know, toss in some of the easier stuff that I know. I mean, I've got this tub down here just filled with corals. I've got the lagoon over there that I can, you know, pop, probably pop in some, some leathers and some easy stuff. I know will be a little bit more hardy. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I want to take it slow. I would really love it to be SPS heavy. Um, you know, if we fast forward to year, year and a half, two years from now, I'd love to have, you know, a reef bump tank in my house. Uh, <laughs> Acro dominated tank. Yeah, that would be, that's, that's the ultimate goal. I think, you know, that's, that's the one thing, you know, I've, I've had acros in the past and, you know, Disney's and things like that and bird's nests, but I've never had a, the full fledged, like j just acros SPS heavy kind of tank. And I really, I desire that. I know nobody, none of my friends and family are going to like it, but you know, at least I'll. It's true, man, because whenever somebody comes <laughs> over and sees them all in my tanks and whatnot, they're, you know, I've got like a sprinkling of LPS. I've got, you know, a few Ghania pour in one tank and like a Duncan coral and, and Alvia pour and all that stuff. So it's like 95% of my stuff is is SPS, but people always like just hone in on the stuff that's moving. It's like, oh, that's yeah. really cool. I was yeah. like, all right, well, you know, I get it, but. Everybody always comes down to this ten, this little ten gallon tank where I've the two fish, the two clownfish that I raised from eggs, and the Chicago uh, nem that's in there that's just taken over the entire system. And they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's orange and purple and yellow, and it's just, you know, it's this huge monster of a nem in this tiny ten gallon tank. So that usually steals people's attention at this point. So. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably take it slow and, and work my way up. Like I said, just adding one thing at a time, one thing at a time, handle it, master it, next thing, you know, kind of go from there. Well, so. I, you know, I, I, I like the fact that you've got a bare bottom tank there because uh, if you do eventually want to um, go SPS heavy, I think that, um, you know, you know, a lot of people have great uh, SPS dominated tanks with, with sand, but um, I used to be a sand guy. Now I don't have sand in any of my tanks and I just feel that... Um, Especially with the peninsula tank, if I was blasting a lot of flow in there like I'm doing right now, I, I just wouldn't be able to keep um, sand in in that one spot. So it's just something you got to kind of get used to. Have you ever had a bare bottom tank? Uh, well, the the ten gallon is a bare bottom, but that's I don't that's not really a good uh, that's not really a good representation. But no, I I have had tanks that I started with a bunch of sand and then eventually they became bare bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, because it just got blown away. Yeah, it got blown away or siphoned out at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I do like the fact that I'll be able to turn up these these um, these gyres, you know, max capacity, and um, you know, just you know, have that that uh, current ripping in there. I think that that's you know one of the major keys with a SPS dominated tank. So, um, but it'll be interesting to see how how I like you know Coraline on the bottom glass. Or I mean, do, are you cleaning that? Are you? No. No, just I, letting it go. I just let it go, and um, you know that was the whole thing when I was keeping like sand in my tanks. It just I never like maintained. Uh, there was a lot of debris, you know, on the bottom of my uh, sand beds in terms of like dead, you know, um, um, snails and dead fragments of coral and this, that, and the other thing. So I, I never like spent the time to maintain a, a sand bed, and I, I do admire the uh, beautiful sand beds that some folks have out there and they work hard at it. it it's, it takes a lot, I think, to keep a, um, a pristine sand bed. At least that's my impression. 
I've yeah. never, um, you know, been able to put that kind of time in to, uh, to do that. But I, uh, I kind of like the, uh, you know, the bare bottom. I just get a lot of coralline algae on it and it, um, you know, it's not like, um, something I don't, I don't think it's a, it's an eyesore. I think it's just, uh, when you're growing a lot of corals, I mean, I got like a lot of encrusting Montipora that are pretty much covering the bottom of my tank in the peninsula tank. And, uh, yeah. it, that's, that's kind of a cool look. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I'm kind of leaning definitely more towards the uh, coralline on the bottom glass, just because you can see on these um, on these reefers, you can see the foam mat that they have on the on the stand, and you can see the seams. Yeah, <laughs> through the glass. So if yeah. we can, you know cover that up as soon as possible. That'd be fantastic. Um, anything else, man? I mean, lighting wise, what do you got? Uh, what do you got going on in that tank? Oh, these are the beautiful red C one sixties. So, giant boxes of light. Gotcha. I've heard mixed reviews. But again, we're going on this journey together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Testing will be done. You know, um, anecdotes will be given. uh, Stories will be told. And those are just, you know, you send me something, that's just what's going to happen. So, we'll go through this all together. And, um, you know, I've heard, obviously mixed reviews on the red sea lighting and again i have not formed my own opinions yet so i i can't give you anything i know that they so i have it on full white right now um and uh just messing around with the app i mean it seems pretty intuitive with you know you don't have as much control i think it it really just gives you white and blue so you gotta kind of mix those as you see fit or as you know from an aesthetic standpoint what you like in your tank whereas you know in a lot of the ai stuff or ecotech even you can choose the different diodes the greens the reds all that kind of thing so i think you know we're all big nerds and like that kind of control (laughs) but i think for the average hobbyist who is getting a red sea they kind of just want plug and play ready to go so uh again we'll see we'll see how that goes down the line here but uh yeah i'm gonna keep that for lighting for now as long as it does the work may supplement later down the road but we'll see i hear you yeah no for sure all right dude any, anything else you wanted to mention about uh the build or or anything any, anything else we haven't talked about uh tonight um i don't think so um covered a lot yeah, I think we covered a lot. I would, I, I, I do want to say, like, if you have any suggestions, suggestions for video ideas or anything that you want to see, um, you know, this is something that we're constantly talking about on the Reef Builders team. Um, I know Windsor's here now, and we'll be doing more stuff at the Reef Builders studio. Uh, so I'm very excited to do that. I'm, I'm hoping to get back at some point here in the near future too to to just be there and document all the things. Um, but yeah, if there's any suggestions that you guys want to see, please hit me up uh, on the Reef Builders Instagram. Um, Windsor hangs out there with me on the DM, so we see all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but like I said in the beginning, I just, I just want to be a good representation of the Reef Builders brand and keep this thing going. Never once claimed to be an expert at anything never in a million years would i compare myself to jake and i just want to be the liaison between the hobbyist and 
the uh, the experts in our in our hobby, you know. And I think my unique skill set is that I kind of bring that broadcast and that hobby together, you know, that my professional life with my hobby life, and kind of melt those two things together to kind of, you know, come up with a nice little a little happy medium in there. So. As long as I can continue to do that, I know that I'll be sponging a, bun a bunch of information along the way. <laughs> Definitely going to go hang out with Chris Meckley here at some point and just go hang out with him for for some days and and hang out with the family and all that kind of stuff. So I do appreciate all the positive support that uh, that we've received as we kind of try to navigate this this bumpy time as you know the road smooths out eventually, but. Um, I want to say I, not just because Windsor is watching this or because she is here, but that woman is amazing. She has weathered so much and is still on calls with reef smiling and happy. She's still doing her thing and <laughs> is one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. So if you don't know Windsor, just know that she is one of the sweetest people, uh, I've ever met in my life. So I believe she uh, said, uh, we love you, Remy. I think that, uh, that's, that's a comment from, uh, listen, man, I think you've been, uh, like I said earlier, I think, um, under very, very difficult circumstances, you've done a, uh, an absolute great, uh, job. And I want to commend you for, um, you know, being in that sticky situation and being able to navigate through it the way you've done. I, uh, I certainly appreciate it. And it looks like a lot of other people do as well. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I got some fun, some fun ideas for next year. There's a, I don't want to say too much because I don't want anybody else to steal my ideas. Um, all the other <laughs> YouTube channels, but I, I think we've, I, oh, I've tell. got an, I, I've got an idea <laughs> that I think could, um, could really, uh, really open some eyes in the hobby. And I'm, I'm aiming hopefully for next year to get that at least out or started. Um, and I'll say this, docu series Ooh. yeah okay. so all right many many episodes and not shot typically as a youtube video would be shot okay looking forward That's to all that I got. looking forward to that <laughs> uh, this will sum it up for you man uh, chris c hey hey coral people there you go there you go so take it. I, I wanted to end this show on a personal note my um by mentioning <clears throat> the passing of my father who was um 93, he passed away a week and a half ago. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would not be in the, uh, in the reef keeping hobby. So, you know, he kept uh, fish only saltwater tanks back when I was a kid. And I just finally remember going to local fish stores with him to pick up, um, you know, fish for the, for the tank. So he did keep a small reef tank. <clears throat> later on in life, which is really cool. You know, that's when I was kind of like really in the thick of the uh, the hobby. So I just wanted to mention my dad's passing and rest in peace, dad. And and um, I love you. So with that, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap the show. And I also want to just thank uh, you know Remy again for being on the show. Really enjoyed the uh, the chat, man. And I also want to thank both uh, Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine for, for sponsoring the live stream and supporting the show. I also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in and contributing via the chat. A big thank you to Paul, who is the moderator as well as the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to the hobby. Finally, I want to let you all know that all episodes of Wrapping the Reef Home are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Wrapping with Reef Home 
live stream will be on Tuesday, September 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Joe Muscat from Tusi Corals. I had him on um, a while ago. He's going to be back on. Should be another great show. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, visit refund.com under the YouTube section. Until next week, be safe.